Afternoon, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to our July at Christmas service. Um, I'll be honest, like I'm probably different than a lot of people. I've been thinking about what to wear uh, at this service since the beginning of December. And, um, you know, so I was thinking about like what sweater to wear or maybe like even a, a sport coat or something like that. Like I don't dress up a lot, so I was thinking about maybe wearing that. And then this afternoon, I really debated the short sleeve shirt. It's um, it's so bad, but you got the, the red shirt with the sleeves rolled up today. That was about the best I could do. So glad that you guys are here. You know, regardless of the fact if it's 20 degrees outside or 80 degrees outside, we can still celebrate the coming of the birth of Jesus, um, and that's why we're here. So let me grab my little table. There, We'll get this all worked out. Come back at 6. It's going to be great. So... We pray with me, Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace that you've extended to us. Thanks so much for the time to gather together before we head off and enjoy time with our families, Father. Um, God, quiet our hearts in recognition of all that you've done for us in sending our Savior, Jesus. Um, Father, minister to all of us who are struggling, who are hurting, God, we recognize that there are some years that are harder than others, some seasons that are harder than others, and, and, and Father, I, I'm so thankful that you pour out your love and your grace on us, and so I pray that you would do that. Bless us over the next few minutes as we spend some time in your word, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. In our Christmas series this year, we've started almost every message by talking about the anticipation that builds leading up to Christmas. And I hope that your experience as a child especially was like mine, where you just couldn't wait until Christmas finally arrived. It seemed like it would never get here, and then it, it finally arrived. And a lot of that anticipation that builds toward Christmas could be represented in the nativity calendar that we used to have when I was a kid. So every year, we would, mom would buy a nativity calendar from maybe the Hallmark store or something. I don't know if you had one at your house. It was you know, just paper, and you would open the door each day, revealing a new uh, character that was there at the manger scene, glitter all over it. So we had glitter all over the refrigerator. And so first day of December, we would open up that first box, revealing the first character. And on the first of December, you saw all of those other boxes, those other flaps that you had to open. And it seemed like at that point, Christmas would never come. But then finally you got down into single digits, and the days began to count down. And then on December 24th, you open the second to last little door, and like you're like, okay, now it's real. One more night's sleep, and then Christmas is going to be here. And I don't know about you, I could never fall asleep on Christmas night because I was so excited about what I was going to find when I went under the Christmas tree. But I want you to imagine something with me. See, part of the reason that the anticipation for Christmas builds the way that it does is because we know when Christmas is coming. Every year, it never changes. It's always December the 25th. So we know because Christmas is on a specific day, we know that the anticipation can build because we know exactly when it's coming. But imagine what it would be like if you didn't know exactly when Christmas was coming. What if somebody just told you Christmas is coming soon, but you didn't know exactly when it was going to be here? 
Probably on the first several days, you would be really excited. Maybe as soon as you wake up, the first thing you do, especially the kids, right? The first thing you're going to do is go to the Christmas tree and see if there are any gifts that are left there. And if there was nothing under the tree, it was no big deal, especially in those first few days, because you're sure that Christmas is coming tomorrow. But then at some point, as days turn into weeks, and maybe even weeks turn into months, at some point, that anticipation is going to fade. And it's not that you don't believe that Christmas is, going, is, is coming. Maybe you still believe that it is at some point, but you just can't live with that emotion every single day and the disappointment every single day. And so at some point, you just decide, okay, I've got to get on with my life. The series that we've been going through this year in our services is called Joyful Anticipation. And so we have, for a few weeks now, been talking about the anticipation of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. But against the backdrop of that, at the same time, we've been talking about anticipating what God could do in our lives or around our lives. And so we can anticipate God doing something, but if God doesn't do what we think he's going to do, when we think he's going to do it, at some point, the anticipation begins to fade. And it may not be that you don't believe that God can do something, and maybe you believe that God is going to do something, but at the same time, you got to figure out how to get on with your life. And so you just stop waiting and looking and hoping. So let me tell you, if that's where you are, don't give up hope just yet. Because here's what I know. God does his work at the right time. It may not be our time, but God works at just the right time. The Christmas story, as we know, it's found in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. So I want you to just listen as I read this. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and family of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's in verse 6. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, I don't... I don't want to tell you something that's not true because that what that verse is talking about is a reference to the time of her, her pregnancy was, was finished. Her, her nine months had been finished, and so she was ready to go into labor. But yet at the same time, as I read that verse, I just have to think at some point in the sovereignty of God, he sent his one and only son to be born of the Virgin Mary at just the right time. A couple minutes ago, I talked about how we would feel about Christmas if we knew it was coming, but we didn't know when it was coming. At some point, the anticipation would wane from that, and that was the situation in Israel at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, you got to hand it to the people of Israel because they had held out hope, and they were looking for the coming of the Messiah for such a long time. I mean, it was literally thousands of years for some people. In the first week of our series, we looked at Genesis 3.15, which is the first promise of a Savior coming. God promised Adam and Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden that one day a seed would come and make all of the wrong things right again. It was Moses who wrote that. 
just after he rescued the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and that happened around 1440 B.C. And so for 1,400 years, the people were watching and looking and anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but by the time that Jesus was actually born, for the most part, people stopped looking. And it wasn't that they didn't believe that at some point the Messiah was going to come. They still did, but yet at the same time, it had been such a long time. But yet Jesus came at just the right time. It's interesting to to think about the history and, and culture that was taking place at the right time in God's sovereignty for his son to be born. Because the right time for Jesus to be born was at the end of a period of silence that lasted 400 years. The last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. The first book in the New Testament is the book of Matthew. If you had a Bible, typically there is a single blank page in between those two books. And so it seems like for us, it's like it just goes from the Old Testament right into the New Testament. It's no big deal. But yet at the same time, that blank page in your Bible represents 400 years of silence. Because in the Old Testament, God consistently and regularly lifted up prophets and called out prophets who would call the people back to God and remind them that one day the Messiah was going to come. But he hadn't done that for 400 years. Yet at the end of that period of silence, that was the right time. It was also a a period of disappointment for the people of Israel. I'm sure all of us have heard of the holiday Hanukkah, the Jewish holiday Hanukkah. You may have no idea what that celebrates or why they celebrate that day. This is a significant event in the history of Israel. In around 165 BC, a man named Judas Maccabeus led the people of Israel in a revolt. And so they enjoyed some level of freedom from the Roman Empire that they had never experienced before. And so many people at that time thought that time was the time. If he wasn't it, then certainly the Messiah, the the rescuer, was going to come at some point. But then that time began to fade. And it wasn't the time. So people lost hope. By the time that Jesus was actually born... People just stopped looking. But just like we read, it was when they were in Bethlehem, the city of David, for this taxation, this census that was taking place, that was the right time that God chose to send his son into the world. Why was it the right time? Now, we don't, I don't. I don't even pretend to know what was in God's mind in in, in his sovereignty and understanding what was happening, but maybe it was the right time for Jesus to be born because for the first time in human history, the world could be reached with the message of Jesus. It was the Roman Empire, was the world empire at the time of Jesus' birth. And the thing that the Roman Empire, one of the things that the Roman Empire is known for is creating a system of roads that made travel throughout the empire easier than it had ever been. So the entire world was accessible for the very first time. In addition to that, coming out of the Greek Empire, there was a single trade language, the Greek language, that you could find somebody in every corner of the earth, the known world at the time, somebody could speak that language. 
the New Testament, the stories about Jesus, they were originally written in the Greek language so that people from all over the known world could understand and hear about the message of Jesus. He came at just the right time. And though his time on this earth was short, he accomplished so much in his time. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and so as we look at the life of Jesus, he is an example to us. His courage and conviction is a model for us. His compassion and mercy, the way that he treated people, the way he treated all people should challenge us. And so even today, if we want to know how to live, we just look at Jesus. But yet at the same time, it's not just what he accomplished in his life that's of significance to us. It's also what he accomplished through his death. Our, it's through Jesus' death that we're able to find our way back to God again. See, our sin separates us from God. It created a gulf that we could not get across, but Jesus, through his death on the cross for us, bridged the gap. And so by faith in Jesus, we can make our way back to God again, entering a life-changing relationship with him that lasts forever. It's Jesus who came at just the right time. And that's why we have hope, and that's why we have anticipation, because we understand that God does his best work at just the right time. But it's not just as we look back that we recognize that God did something at just the right time when he sent Jesus into this world, but at the same time, he's also promised to do something for us at just the right time, too. God's time is always the right time. In fact, we have a promise in the book of Hebrews that says we can go boldly before the throne and receive grace and mercy when we need it the most. That last phrase, when we need it the most, could be translated just in the nick of time. See, God has promised when we're in those moments of, of, of pain and, and hurt, when we don't know what to do, we can cry out to God and he gives us exactly what we need just in the nick of time. And so as we look back at the birth of Jesus, we know that he came at just the right time. We have this promise that God's going to do something in our lives when we need it the most in the nick of time. But yet at the same time, our hope is found in looking forward as well. And we recognize that just the right time, Jesus is going to come back. Now, I will not even begin to speculate as to when that is, but I just know that it will be at just the right time. There is coming a day when we will no longer have to put up with our own sinfulness and selfishness. We won't live in a world that has been wrecked by sin and, and, and all the problems that exist around us. One day, Jesus is going to come back for us. For those of us who have faith in him and will be able to experience life with him, he will be our God, Revelation says, and we will be his people. We will enjoy his presence forever. And so that's the hope that we have. God does his work at just the right time. That's the reason for anticipation. As I finish this afternoon, let me leave you with this word of encouragement. This is also found in the book of Hebrews. It says, Seeing then that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him who endured such things so that we would not grow weary and lose heart.
as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, recognizing the promise that God has given to us to give us grace and mercy in the nick of time. We can anticipate what God is doing, and God will do his work around us and in us at just the right time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise in your word that just when we need it the most, you give us grace and mercy so that we can continue on. In the midst of the struggles that we face, the hard times that we go through, Father, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we would not grow weary and lose heart in the midst of the struggles that we face. God, meet every need that we have just in the nick of time. May we continue to always anticipate the work that you're doing in us, around us, and through us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. So everybody grab your candles. So it's time for our little candle lighting. And I want you to know that this is not just like this fun thing that we do. I mean, it is fun and, you know, you reminisce about these kinds of things when you get old and stuff like that. But The reason that we do this is because of the symbolism behind it. I'm going to have Sharon go ahead and Sharon, you can shut off all the lights. We've got to get the, the effect. Jesus described himself as the light of the world. And in John chapter 1, we read that in him was life and that life was the light of men. And so as we finish out our service, it's this one candle that represents the light of Jesus. But the candle's going to begin to spread to everyone throughout the room, and it's going to light up the room. And so it represents the light of Jesus that comes into our lives when we trust him as our Savior. And so it's that light, it's ultimately the light of Jesus that should be reflecting in our lives so that people look at us and they see something different. And they see the light of Jesus, and then maybe their lives are changed too. So that's what this is all about as we do this celebration of candle lighting and recognizing that Jesus is the light of the world.